The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the heaven, the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Speak to you in the name of God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Amen. The title of the sermon is What God Requires. What God Requires. It is good to be back home. In January, I was traveling on a school trip to Cuba for three weeks. I went with three other seminarians to learn about the Episcopal Church in Cuba. Yes, there is an Episcopal Church in Cuba, and they are part of the Episcopal Church of the U.S. They have just now been reincorporated into the church after 60-plus years of exile. We went to learn about the church and how it does community development. Prior to the trip, I had heard the church is doing great things with the little they have. Cuba, although beautiful and majestic, is a country that is impoverished. 
and the church is no exception. The average Cuban makes 30 US dollars a month. None of the churches are able to pay their priests, and many priests guide multiple parishes, including one I met who guides five. Their resources are stretched thin, and that is why we went to study in Cuba. We had heard the church is doing great community development, which is a process where community members come together to take collective action and generate solutions to common problems. Problems such as access to clean drinking water, children's after-school programs, clothing and food ministries, education and program for seniors. All of these are needs in Cuba, and the church has found innovative ways to deal with those needs with their limited resources. One of the biggest ministries of the Episcopal Church is to provide clean drinking water to the community. Many churches open their doors for purified water to anyone with a container to carry it away. I witnessed a constant stream of people coming to the churches during the week to get the water they so desperately needed. I met a 12-year-old boy enrolled in the church's after-school program. He told me that age 10, he had kidney stones removed because of drinking the contaminated drinking water. Reflecting on this through the Old Testament reading sheds more light on the vital ministry of the Cuban church for the Cuban people. In our text, God is speaking to God's people, Israel. This is post-exile Israel trying to rebuild their country and their religion. After the trauma of exile and the hard task of recreating their culture, these people still need some help. So they turn to God. They try to rebuild the temple and worship as it used to be. They bring back traditional festivals and the worship calendar. Yet they're going about it the wrong way. In their mind, practicing ritual and fasting on the correct days will bring back what was lost. And when it does not, they ask God why God does not notice them, even when they're being humble and submitting to the will of God. But those who say they're humble are rarely ever so. And God tells them they have it wrong. Fasting and worship alone does not cut it. It is not what God requires. And not only does it not cut it, but they're in rebellion against God because of it. God tells them holy ritual action is empty without care for others. Recreating the temple cult is not going to cut it. In fact, for Isaiah, this will only lead them down the same path as the exile. Not because there is something inherently wrong with preserving and recreating traditional rituals. Our rites do the same thing. The problem lies with who it serves. What God requires is service to loosen the bonds of injustice, to let the oppressed go free, to share bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless and poor in. That is what God requires. Holy ritual is additional, a worship preference, if you will, but it is not what it is all about. Religious calendars and fasting do not make a community whole. And that is what I think of 
when I conceive church. Church is not right one or right two, traditional or contemporary, sung or said. Don't get me wrong, that is a part of it. But at the heart of church, at the core of what we're doing, is food pantry, host and refugee ministry, social justice Sunday, adult forum education. It is innovative ways to not just hack at the symptoms of issues, but get to the root. It is community development, which depends not just on aid or mission work from the outside, but the skill and labor of those within the community. It is inviting our neighbors, loosening social barriers. It is empowerment and education. It is social change. It is non-compliance with the powers at be. That is what God requires, and that is what the church in Cuba is doing too. What was so impressive about the churches we visited is that they're doing this without many resources. They cannot tap into endowments or even do a capital campaign. So they have to think outside the box and work through the limitations put on them by the government and the environment. They have to work with what they have and the people in the community. A priest I met manages a farm for his church and hires farmers to grow food only to sell back to the government as they cannot independently sell or use the produce. But they use that income for music, arts, and feeding programs. They teach people how to grow their own food and they teach them about health. That is what God requires. And this is not just for justice's sake or because God wants us to be good, although that is good in itself, but because God sees for us in this world the promise God made, a transformed society, not just in piety, but reconciled with each other. And the promise is this, found in Isaiah two chapters later, and also as one of our canticles in the morning prayer service, the third song of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples, but over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning, your gates will always be open. By day or night, they will never be shut. They will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Violence will no more be heard in your land, ruin or destruction within your borders. You, you will call your walls salvation and all your portals praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, by night you will not need the brightness of the moon. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. That is why God requires of us justice because God envisions for us a just, nonviolent, repaired of all the harmful breaches, society of neighbors, loving neighbors. God does not want anything else of us all the other stuff is extra. And this is not just a vision for the next life, 
as the writer of Revelation saw when they used this poem to describe the new heaven and new earth. But something that can be enacted today, little by little, in community and moving outward. We can take little steps towards this, especially now, in our partisan, economically and racially divided, scared, broken world. Why? Because this is what is required then and now. Let it be so.